0: remember a terrible, terrible story in the news. Um, It's about almost 12 years ago now, the car accident on the Taconic Parkway. Um, Eight people, eight people were killed. Um, Woman who was uh, driving the car, her daughter was in the car, Um, her three nieces were as well, like they were in the back seat. Um, They were all killed. She was driving. She was driving the wrong way on the Taconic Parkway and uh, hit head-on with another car. Three people in that car were killed. Um, To make it worse, um, toxicology reports came back and determined that she had been drinking and there were drugs in her uh, marijuana in her her system. So it just... um, it's a remarkably tragic story. Um, the three sisters, the, the nieces, they were from uh, Floral Park, which is where I'm from. And I didn't know them or their family, but I, we knew a lot, of, I had a lot of mutual friends. So I went to the funeral, which I'll never forget. Um, it was kind of surreal. It was awful. It was uh, five coffins uh, in the church couple of weeks after that, um, a friend of mine, who was a friend of the mother uh, of these three little girls, uh, she called me, my friend, and said, uh, asked me if I'd be willing to to meet with the mother and speak with her a little bit. Um, and I remember I said, yeah, I said, sure. Uh, but I remember being like almost terrified at the prospect of that. Just like, uh, what was I possibly going to Have to say, Um, this was without question the worst, the most tragic situation I had ever encountered as a priest. Um, All of her children, all of her kids, had died, and I remember meeting with her, Jackie, uh, her name, the mom. She just she didn't really want to live. She was very honest about it and very kind of sober and. Just thinking, like she was thinking. It wasn't like she wasn't making sense or anything. She was just in such pain. I remember her saying to me, uh, as soon as she would wake up in the morning and kind of come to consciousness, she'd be reminded of what had happened and just like, couldn't, couldn't bear it. Um, anyway, we, we, we met for, I'm thinking, maybe about an hour or so. And, and we agreed that we'd meet up again. And I remember that that one, the second meeting, going in with a little bit more of kind of a, I guess, an agenda, after having met with with her the first time, um, and it was a very simple agenda. Um, number one, it was like, you know, you don't you don't need me to tell you that you're never gonna really get over this. Like, of course, of course, you'll never really get over this, and. You don't need me to tell you that, that the pain will, will never completely go away. Of course it'll never completely go away. You lost, you lost your little girls. Um, but, I said to her that eventually you will, you will start to feel better. Um, I said, I don't know when, I don't even know how much better. But it will start in time, over time, to get better. Um, and I said, I, the reason I knew that is because it's what we believe. It's what we believe as Christians. Like, it gets better. That's what our faith tells us. And I think it's also what life experiences we have, they tell us that, too. You don't ever get over it, and the pain never fully goes away, but it gets better. Um, Good Fridays don't last forever. They often last way more than a day, but they don't last forever. And I remember telling her that, and I'm saying it now probably with way more confidence than I had when I said it, I remember when I said it, just like, the look on her face was like, part of it was like, she wanted to kill me. Like, you, you gotta be kidding. And I think it was also like, you know, how would you know? How would you even have a clue as to what I'm going through? Which I didn't, but I didn't have to. Because this isn't about what I have experienced. It isn't even about what I believe or what I, what I know. It's what we believe as a people of faith. And she, she was talking to a priest. So I was going to tell her what we believe. Um, you know, and at that point, in that moment, like the thought for Jackie, the mom, of like feeling better, it was like unthinkable. But it's what we believe. It's what our faith tells us. It's the, it's the, uh, the psalm we just heard. But this morning, the Lord Lord heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds and he sustains the lowly. That's what we believe. But you know what? You choose to believe, right? I mean, God gives us freedom all the time. Sometimes, like, I wish he gave us less. In some respects, there'd be less suffering in the world. But he gives us the freedom to do whatever we want, or to believe whatever we want, or choose whatever we want or not. We can choose to believe this psalm, this idea that it does get better, and God does heal the brokenhearted. Or we can say, no, we can say, no, I I don't believe that. I don't think it's ever gonna get better. I don't think broken hearts get healed. I mean, look at, look at the first reading from Job. Look what he says about heartache and sorrow. He says, this is all in, in one little reading. He says, life is a drudgery. I feel like a slave who has no rest. I've been assigned misery. I can't sleep. He speaks of restlessness. I have no hope. I'll never see happiness again. Man, that, was, that was one unhappy camper right there. He had good reason to be unhappy. He had a, as the story goes, he had a terrible life. Terrible, ridiculous degree of tragedy came his way. And he chose this route, this response slavery, misery, hopelessness. And then you get this gospel. It's not a coincidence that we got the two on the same day. You get the gospel here where everybody who is heartbroken, everybody who's hurting, is running to Jesus. And he's healing them like crazy. You name the struggle, he's making it go away. It's a choice. I think that's what it comes down to. We can't control tragedy, we can't control heartache but we can't control the the response. That is in our court. That we can choose. And I think it comes down to this. It's either Jesus or Job. Here's two different responses to struggle. I take the Jesus approach where there's healing and hope or I go with the Job approach which is misery and slavery and a hopelessness. I was at a funeral yesterday in Brooklyn for uh, my second cousin, my dad's uh, my dad's first cousin, her name was Noreen, and uh, she's a great lady. Um, her husband died about two years ago, and she's had it rough the last couple of years. She, uh, she herself has had some pretty, had pretty serious health concerns, even before her husband died. So it's been a long couple of years for her. She's got three kids, uh, I think nine grandkids, and they just loved her. Um, It was so great to see at the wake hearing I met with them, to hear them just talk about their mother and and their grandmother, these these, uh, grandkids. They just, she was such a huge part of their life. she was never really like the loudest person in the room. She never really looked for the spotlight. She was always there, though. That's what the kids said about her. Even me as a as a as a cousin. I, that, would, that would sort of be my take on her. Obviously, much more from a distance, but she was a really great person. It was so good to hear adult kids and, and mostly adult um, grandkids just speak with such love for this central person in their life. Uh, Norian's daughter um, told me, uh, and I knew knew some of this, but she kind of fleshed it out a bit. She said, you know, my mom didn't have it easy throughout the course of her life. Certainly the end was tough, um, but early on it was difficult as well. She had a great life, but she had a tough life. Her father died when she was 20. Her mother died four years later. And her brother, her only sibling, died the following year. So by the time she was 25, she had lost her entire family. Um, she was 25 years old. And there was even more, you know, as, as her life went on. and we just She had challenges with family members. You know, the gospel talks about these... People who were, you know, they were possessed and demons. I mean, some of that was literally true, but I suspect some of it was also almost like symbolic. People who just, hey, we've all got our demons, right? May not be literal demonic possession, but it's the stuff in life which keeps us unfree. I think of addiction and how that can just torment a person and, and the people surrounding the person. Well, that was a part of her life. A couple of people that she loved struggled with addiction and that weighed on her. She didn't have it easy. But her faith never wavered. If anybody, in a sense, had a right to choose Job, in some respects it was Noreen, but she just didn't. She always chose Jesus. And I think Jesus, for the course of her 75 or 76 years, he just continued to heal her heart. Because that's what God does. He heals the brokenhearted. If we let him, if we choose him. It's a really cool song. Um, This guy, Matt Marr, is a uh, Catholic songwriter, musician. Great, really great contemporary stuff. In fact, we we play a lot of his his music here. He's got this song and it's called, Come As You Are. Just listen to a couple of these lyrics. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. There's no rest, oh, there's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. It keeps repeating that line Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. I mean, I think that's what I tried to say to that grieving mother 12 years ago. The songwriter said it way more eloquently than me but that's what I was trying to say like you will come through this earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure it is this psalm the Lord heals the broken hearted and he binds up their wounds it was my cousin Noreen it's our choice Jesus or Job that mom who lost the three girls. Five years later, she had another girl. Guess what they named her? Faith. Baby Faith. The Lord heals the brokenhearted.